When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where did all the time go? Where did the time go? It's been a great show. It's fuck well, we'll let the audience decide that, mate. Well, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's I've enjoyed fun. it. I hope the listeners have enjoyed yeah. it. I bet our next guest wonders, where is all the time gone? Where is all the time gone since Wallaby's last healthy, the Bledisloe Cup? Yeah, do you reckon he, he might be making a comeback you, in America? Like you, the, like you have. I, I, the Masters he's Rugby. He's way too smart. He's way too smart for that. We're thrilled to welcome him to uh, the program. Yes, New Zealand rugby fans have dined out for 20 years that we've held the Bledisloe Cup since 2003. Uh, but the last time Australia won the series actually lifted the, the Bledisloe. This man was on the field, if I'm not mistaken. He was on the field as, oh, that Burke, that guy Burke used to break my heart all the time. Slotted a match-winning penalty after the siren sounded in front of some 80,000 fans in Sydney. Uh, these days, it's directed with Gameline Analytics. So he's uh, deep into the weeds of breaking down the sport. We're thrilled. Oh, I've always loved chatting to him over the years. It's been a long time between drinks. Ben Darwin joins the program, former Wallaby. How are you, Ben? I'm fantastic. Thank you for the lovely memories uh, 20 years ago of, of uh, yeah, single-handedly winning the Butterfly for Australia. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, like get Noriega off the field. He's a liability. Get Darwin on. That, that, that will change it, something like that, was it, Ben? Yeah, and I actually didn't touch the ball the entire game. So. <laughs> oh, those mean. are the Eddie best Jones games, aren't they, Ben? Not to pass. What's that, sorry? <laughs> those are the best games, aren't they, where you don't have to contribute, but the, the team wins anyway. Yeah, I, I used to come off the field off on some of the Brumbies and look around and say, you know what, I'm probably not the reason we're winning, but I'm happy to <laughs> jump on this bandwagon. <laughs> it was an amazing period for Australian rugby. I think it was the fifth straight year you'd held on to it too. Golden era, golden era in front of 80,000 fans. Uh, in all seriousness, are the memory still pretty um, you know, strong of that? The, I'm sure you remember the, the Burke kick itself, but the noise, the atmosphere, I guess what I'm hinting at here is, you know, 80,000 going to be at the MCG. Like, that are mm. big numbers. They must be amazing atmospheres to be involved in. Yeah, I think the, one of the Lions games or one of the Bledisloes earlier than that was 109,000. And, and it sort of it gets to this point where it actually shakes your chest. Sydney, though, is not... The, the grandstands and, and the MCG are quite distant. So I used to find, for example, like an Ellis Park full or a Durban yeah. full was actually noisier because they're that close. They're right on top of you. So, it's, yeah, it depends on the size of the crowd, but also how close they are. All right. Let's get to this year's iteration of it. What's your gut telling you? Um, based on the, the first two games you have seen in the rugby championship from an Australian perspective. Where are they at? Where are they at? Uh, where are they at, you think? Um, so I really try not to rely on the gut um, because I, I simply try to rely on the data. The, I, I described it yesterday as Eddie Jones is like a bride trying to organise a wedding on the way to the wedding. You know, like he's, he's, trying, to get, he's trying to get things in play as it goes because generally... 
generally, you know, that every team that's ever won the World Cup is generally the most stable or top two for stability. Uh, we're not, right? There's two or three teams already in that position. They kind of already built good enough to win a World Cup. We're a long way away from that. So the question is, how good can we make ourselves between now and the World Cup? So we've got two more games. Then we can actually build through the pool, which is that we've got an unbelievable draw. gives us that ability. So you we do. are a, a long distance away. And, and you can tell because the teams that are the most cohesive, as we describe it, and cohesion is basically about level of understanding between the players and level of understanding of system. The Irish, if you look at how accurate the Irish were against the All Blacks last year or two years ago, you know, for those long periods of time they attacked, the most cohesive teams are the most accurate. We're very inaccurate at the moment. Penalty counts, you know, we can play well for 10, 15 minutes, but then, you know, it's very hard to hold that together for a long period of time if you're not quite sure where you're supposed to be or what the person next to you is going to do. Yeah, and I, I remember you speaking to you uh, ahead of the last World Cup, and you talked about the great old days of Australian rugby because you were you were selecting from three sides, and you know predominantly the, the Brum, Brumbies made up, so that cohesion was naturally sort of uh, wedded in. So the, this this iteration of the side is a work in progress. How quickly can that progression actually um, come about, or, or is it a year too early for Eddie Jones? It, it, you basically need you, you know there's a whole bunch of we talk about three ways to win a World Cup. One is to keep the starting team together for a long period of time. So you look at England 03, for example, those guys were sort of together four or five years. The second way to do it is an unbelievable amount of um, uh, consistency for the last 18 months. You look at, at Erasmus's 19 team, basically as soon as he came in, it was the same group all the way through. And the third way is to bring it through club. You look at 87 All Blacks through Auckland, I think it was like 11 or 12 Aucklanders in the side. Yeah. Erasmus also had, I think, 23 Stormers in their squad. The Waratahs uh, dominated the 2015 team for the Wallabies. We don't have any of those three at this point. Um, <laughs> All Blacks have kind of got a mix of those three. They're actually in a pretty good spot. So we're in a position right now where the All Blacks are a long way ahead. The thing is, how much can we catch up between now and the, uh, and the World Cup quarters? So, Ben, is it fair to say with consistency, a lot of it relies on the selection and the people that are actually making those selections? They're running the, the whole ship. Because I know, for myself personally, head coach changed five times in five years and we were a shambles. Our results actually showed that. And uh, there was no, there was no uh, consistency in game plan, but consistency in players. But you need that person. So who is that person that is making the calls? Is it Eddie Jones? Or are there people around the table that are making selection choices for the Wallabies? Well, it can be a mix. I mean, you look at you look at one of the great advantages the Crusaders always had was Canterbury. You know, underneath, you know, when that when they sort of did that regionalisation in New Zealand rugby, you know, Crusaders got that singular team underneath. So that's a structural component. So there's the structural components here. There's also geography. There's also the size of your country. How many players you have? Like England has 13 clubs going into one. Eddie Jones couldn't change that part. So do you, do you just choose Saracens? You've got to have a, a mix of understanding what the drivers are. The coach is kind of on the receiving end most of the time. Yep. But if you panic and you chop and you change, then it's mm. very hard. I mean, we did, a, we did a piece looking at the Crusaders and there was one piece of data, which was when a Crusader played his first game, I think on average he'd played with 11 of his teammates before. So your chances wow. of playing well in that scenario are so mm. much higher than if you're at the Waratahs and the answer is two. So when you come in... You know, the more, the more stable the team is you come into, the easier it is to go into that team and to appear to perform well. If you currently debut for Australia, 
you basically haven't played with anybody. So then coming in, you don't look great. So then they go, okay, well, we've got to pick somebody else. So that's the real hard part is, can I actually figure out if this player is a good player or not? If you change, if you change uh, uh, clubs in the NRL, the chance of you playing state of origin drop by 45% because you don't appear to be any good. It's the same with rugby in Australia. If you change super rugby clubs, it drops by 40% playing for Australia again because you, you, know, you don't appear to be playing well. So that's the, that's the biggest part is how do we figure out who's a good player in Australia? How do we, how do we figure out who's a bad player? Because they look the same at the moment. Is is it about familiarity of uh, the people in your team and how they play and where they're likely to to run angles and pass the ball, or is it just that feeling of um, you know feeling confident and feeling um, I guess at ease because you've got familiar players in your team? A combination of both. Well, it's it's not about it's not about liking each other. I mean, no. You look at Dennis Rodman and Jordan; they never spoke basically the entire time <laughs> off the field. We've got lots of examples, you know, guys who don't like each other and I've, I've guys I've played with Australia I didn't like, but I knew what they were going to do. It's about the mm. predictability of the other person's actions. Right. If I'm confident in what you're going to do, then you could be confident in what I'm going to do. You particularly see that through 9, 10, 12, mm. you know, line-out throwers, line-out jumpers. There's certain components of the team where that is the most important. And if you can build that base and then you can build off the back of that. So wingers, for example, could change clubs, change codes much more easily than and centres, mm. but it, it's you know I, I don't sort of go by the notion you don't have to like each other, you don't have to get on. Famous examples of people hating each other but winning everything. Um, so the, the focus is basically what's my job, what's your job, and um, let's not change it. You know, to evolve evolve the program rather than trying to turn around every time. Former Wallabies prop Ben Darman is with us now. Director of Game Line Analytics. Ben, I haven't got all the the team lists in front of me from the three tests. But there's been some chopping and changing from Eddie Jones. Uh, is that like, if anything, you just your message to him would be: be strong in con- convictions, uh, believe in your in your side, and maybe roll with that, no matter what the results over the next few games. Well, we we know what the data looks like, and we know that he's obviously, you know, in his mind, he's trying to find the players that he wants to take to the World Cup. But he only got the job in December. So fundamentally, he's trying to figure it out in three games, which is really, really hard, you know, given the mm. scenario of how cohesive the team is. This is really about, you know, he's on the receiving end of something, and, and what we really want to do is try to fix what's coming in. You know, how do, we, how do we return to the days where Australia had three of the top five most stable clubs in the world and, and we were the number one cohesive team in the world by 30 40%, like 99 World Cup. Yeah. You know, we didn't even let it a try when the starting team was on, and that's how it manifests itself the most. So, wow, I'm not of the mind that Eddie's doing anything wrong. It's just this is the situation he's got. He's talking about the smash and grab, which is exactly how you need to do it. Now, if you're going to play against high cohesion teams, you've got to take them to a place they're not used to. You've got to try to get players playing out of position. If you look at that Ireland Chicago game, you know Kano was playing at five. Um, yeah, so my plan yeah, yeah. For t- tonight is if we can get Aaron Smith red carded. Uh, some sort of comment because that'll give us that'll give us two things. One gives us a nine, a nine that's inexperienced on the field, and then yeah. and then they lose a flanker. So then we get breakdown parity. So if we get him red, Brilliant. like off is good, red carded is better. But we've basically got to try to take them somewhere they haven't been before, and the, yeah. the ability for us to do that accurately is a real challenge given that this team is just only just brought together. Well, Eddie Jones obviously had fine, has always had fine taste and props, hasn't he? Uh, I assume you debuted under him. Everyone changes over, uh, over 
as long as he's been in the game. He's so colourful. I think he's great for the sport, you know. But people like to, you know, talk about the results. But he's so unique, isn't he? You know, take us a peek behind the curtain about the bloke. You know, we see, well, we see his coach, public I, face. We, we, we see his public face. I had him as a coach for seven years. So at Brumbies and then Wallabies. <laughs> so it felt like he was kind of following me to a certain extent. I, I think the thing, is, the thing is, as a guy, he's, he's more than willing to upset you to make you play better. Not every right. coach is like mm. that. Some coaches don't want to upset you as a player. So, you know, he would, he'd go to you know, where is this guy's weakness? Where is this, where is his problem? And he'll go straight to it. Mate, you're too fat. You you know, you're too, whatever it might be too. Every, generally props have the conversations, um, you know, but <laughs> you, you go straight to the heart of it. There's no dancing around anything with Eddie. Yeah. Um, but, and so, so for some people that'll rub them up the wrong way. For some people it'll get the best out of them. It did the both. It did both for me. You know, it was really, really difficult, but I probably wouldn't have played for Australia, you know, without him. But, the strength of the system is much more of an important driver than the strength of the man. And, and so he's faced as an incredibly strong coach with a system right now that's not producing a team that's, that's really yeah. capable yet of winning games um, back to back. But if anyone's going to try to get that out of them, um, he can. Yeah, nothing like a bit of constructive criticism. I mean, as athletes, you, ser- you, you always search for it. It's the only way you're going to get better, isn't it, Ben? But when we, when we look at this All Blacks team of 2023, how do they look in your modelling in terms of um, where they sit in world rugby at the moment? So the All Blacks have dramatically improved by our numbers in the last 12 months. They're now putting themselves... There's basically three teams in the world right now that are built today to, to you know, play and, and play well in a, in a World Cup final. But if you put them against each other, so Ireland... France and New Zealand. The difference between the Irish and and the French and New Zealand is the Irish have a little bit more of what we might call we call it white bait redundancy. You know, like somebody comes in, <laughs> who else can come in and, and do well? You know, and so the French the French are probably the weakest on that front. When their starting fifteen is not on, they're not a great side. But yeah, the Irish can basically true. deal now with even they're now being able to deal without having Sexton. They beat us last year without Sexton. And him actually being injured in the lead-up to the World Cup has actually been a really good thing for Ireland because otherwise they're too reliant on him. Um, the next kind of... If, if you take New Zealand, you know, if you look at 11, they, they went down to fourth to number 10. They're not in the position to do that now. They're really... You know, they're st- they've got a starting 15. They've got three or four guys they can bring in. But one thing New Zealand's got they haven't had previously in the last World Cup is they've got consistency through uh, 10, 12, 13 a little bit more. They haven't really had yeah. that in a long time, you know, of, that, of, of, of understanding, you know, since basically Nonu and Smith, who, you know, what a amazing coincidence, played together so much of the Hurricanes. If you look at Nonu without Smith when he was at Auckland or Rico or, you know, the Highlanders, he wasn't the same player. And people accuse him of not caring, but it was simply about how much better was he with, with Smith. So I'd say the All Blacks are in a really, really good position now to win it. Obviously, disastrous draw. So they could lose to an island, you know, early, but be in the shape to win it, you know, but just have a bit of bad luck in that game. So I think if they, if they bow out early, it doesn't mean they're not a bad side. It means sometimes your draw is just really bad. I mean, the, one of the, we, we've won World Cups without having to play the All Blacks. That's the ultimate dream, just going through trying to avoid them on the other side. So I, I, think, um, I think South Africa, uh, they're kind of reloading a bit. And they don't, they don't have the consistency they had 
in 19, uh, and they're quite a long way off that at the moment. Ben, is it fair to say that you're too smart to be a prop? No, like it's it's that upsets me. <laughs> like a, a lot of them are very 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 intelligent, but uh, all I'm doing is I just suck up the research of everybody else and all the staff and everyone around me. Yeah. Uh, so Simon, my business partner, they're all the smart people. I have no actual qualifications of any type. But um, no, that's 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 an upsetting comment. I, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. And there's another guest that'll never come back on the Saturday session. Yeah. No, yeah. your your yeah. insights have been amazing, Ben. Uh, honestly, unbelievable yeah. insights. And you, to to hear the insights around how far away the Wallabies are will probably make the listeners that said, you know, All Blacks by 25. Um, Lick their chops, pretty but it happy. makes them unpredictable, which you know adds a whole uh, different level. Can I get you out on this one, Ben? You know, I've said it, lots of other people in the media saying this is the deepest sort of World Cup maybe ever as far as potential contenders. Would you agree with that? Would you shoot that one yeah, down? Yeah, the, num- the numbers absolutely reflect that. You, you like, let's let's take '87 for example. There was basically one team built well, right? '91 there was two. Ninety-five, there was two. Now we're probably talking about four or five. You'll have four or five teams well built coming into this tournament, yeah. and therefore capable of doing it. So it's it's the rounds are. You know, this is an example where the rounds might actually be more exciting than the finals, because because you've mm. got a, a, a you know lopsided draw, and so it could actually be decided by the early games. Whereas most World Cups, it's like, okay, we know who first and second is. It's like competitions for third place or between the minnows. This is not decided yet, and it might get decided early. Um, and sometimes that'll just come down to injuries, cards. You know, that's probably the greatest shame of all. And, and not saying Australia can't win today. We had a game a couple of years ago where the Highlanders beat the Crusaders and just went against every single marker we've ever seen. But generally, you know, I think we're about 85%, 86% of the games in Super Rugby are won by the most cohesive team. So, you know, if, if all things being equal... There's, there's, there's a good number of sides now that are set up to, to be accurate and effective at the World Cup. And so it'll just come down to referee interpretations. And something that really worries me is we did a study on jerseys. I don't know if you guys have heard this before, but we found that if a team changes the colour of their jersey, they're um, inaccurate on attack by 40%. So they drop off what? in their ability what? to attack. Yeah. So you look at the grey jersey 07. You look at all, you know, England uh, wearing a black jersey. Uh, the Newcastle Knights have won this high vis jersey like nine times. I think they've won one of the games. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, we, we looked at like three or four hundred games, and I asked all these players what happens, and they said, You turn to pass to your teammates and, and you flinch because you're looking for a colour. So you're looking for an offload. So we found the wow. offload data in those games drops away dramatically. If you go back to that 07 game, other than the penalty count, which was ridiculous, the offload to the All Blacks was really inaccurate. So that's that's something you know. This whole thing about about people with the, the diff, different jersey changes is if if you can oh, get real. a team that could get dumped out of the World Cup just by a jersey change. <laughs> Amazing, Ben. We've run out of time. Uh, we've hogged way too much of your time. Uh, great to chat to you again. Uh, hope to do it again real soon. Thanks so much for dropping all those great nuggets and keep up the fine work at uh, Gainline Analytics. Do appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Ben. That's a pleasure. Can I just say hi to my housemate Sheep from Pukekohe, who I lived with in 1998? Really appreciate it. <laughs> 
Sheep. Uh, Sheepy. That's a good nickname. Good on you, Ben. Thanks so much. Ben Darwin, former Wallaby, former Blizzlow Cup winner, of course, uh, played under Eddie Jones and uh, doing some great work with uh, Gainline Analytics. Gee, had some good insights. Amazing. uh, Always has been. He's always been just a brilliant chat over the years. It's time to take a break, though, Grant. Uh, We'll reflect on what you've just heard from him after this. We've got to pay the bills 26 away from one.